0: Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. May be seated. Eric Arabach, in his book Memesis, writes the following. Far from seeking, like Homer, merely to make us forget our own reality for a few hours, the scriptures seek to overcome our reality. We are called upon to fit our own life into its world, feel ourselves to be elements in its structure of universal history. Everything else that happens in the world can only be conceived as an element in this sequence— In it, everything that is known about the world must be fitted as an ingredient of a divine plan. Auerbach's words, I think, are fitting when reflecting on the parables of the kingdom. We've been reflecting on these parables for a few weeks now, parables that signal something not only important for the life of the church, but vital for the life of discipleship. And so I come this morning to this parable with this question, what does Jesus want us to remember? What does Jesus want us to remember? Indeed, what does Matthew want us to remember? Matthew writing to a post-resurrection community much like us today, certainly had a message to communicate. So let's spend some time lingering over today's gospel lesson. What does Jesus want us to remember? I think we could start with the idea that life is saturated with the kingdom. That the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not something contained within space and time, but actually works through space and time, that the kingdom of God is not something abstract, but certainly something, a people, a community, a reality, very concrete, embodied. The kingdom is a people. But it's also a force for goodness, it is also grace. It is also peace. It saturates our world. Jesus talks about the mustard seed. He also lets us know about yeast and its power, this, these two, two processes, you could say, that are slow but certain, slow but certain and will grow. And if you notice, unlike the other parables that deal with the kingdom, there is nothing to impede this process. We find no birds of the air to come swallow up the seeds. We find no scorching heat nor a mention of the cares and desires that choke this word or this kingdom. Simply the kingdom of God at work. What we're presented with is this overflowing, unrelenting kingdom, unstoppable. It's everywhere. Robert Capon calls this the Catholicity of the kingdom, that it's everywhere, it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere. This Catholicity of the kingdom is nevertheless, according to Capon, also shares the atmosphere or the climate with the Catholicity of evil. But in our parable today, you don't hear of that. What you hear is this saturation of all of life, The moving forward of God's kingdom, unimpeded, the Catholicity of the kingdom before the Catholicity of evil, not overwhelmed, but overcoming that evil. And I think of this frame that Capon provides. I think of St. Augustine, who talks about in his book, The City of God, that the city of God and the city of man are intermingled and that the call of the church is to live faithfully, to love God and to love neighbor. I also think this frame gives us a good perspective on history. That throughout history, that the kingdom of God has existed within the context where the Catholicity of of evil has raised its head, and yet the church continues to move forward. I think of Bonhoeffer. I think of Desmond Tutu, Mandela. the overwhelming sense of evil, yet this kingdom moving forward. I think of MLK. I think of Angela Huey here in Arizona. Folks who continue to advance the kingdom in a way that calls into question the power and the overwhelming presence of evil, a kingdom that beckons us forward to trust the God of the kingdom To live as disciples of this kingdom, because it's not merely a process, but it's also an awareness. An awareness that's cultivated in the everydayness of life. It's a merchant, it's someone in a home making bread, it's a group of people fishing. It's a kingdom that surprises and reveals itself in ways that promise to transform, promise to bring about justice, promises to bring about grace and mercy. It's a level of awareness. I think of the end of this parable, the beauty of the end in this parable, when Jesus raises the question, have you understood all of this? And they answered yes. Yes. I would have said, yes, but. Or, as my son is used to saying these days, wait, what? <laughs> because the kingdom is such that it calls upon us to respond. To explore our hearts and to grapple with, as Erbach says, this, this sense of this overtaking, this overwhelming, this transformation of our perspective on life. Because the kingdom is not this abstract idea, but it calls on us for this sort of proactive embodiment in the acts of God, in the acts of what it means to follow Jesus, to practice mercy, to love God, to love neighbor. And at the end of this parable, Jesus says the following, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I hear an echo of our lessons, of our psalms. I hear an echo here of a wisdom practiced as the people of God, as the kingdom on this earth, as the expression of God's heart in this world, as the way back to the heart of God, that it takes this wisdom master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I think of a friend of mine worked his entire life in the financial sectors, in Wall Street. And during the financial breakdown, recession, he would walk by families living in their cars or would go out to a park and see families, homeless, destitute, And he thought to himself one day, well, I have all this training. I've gone to a great school. I know how to do this. I have friends. I have a network. I'm going to gather my friends together and do something for those in need to find a path to bring individuals undergoing dire straits as a result of the financial meltdown. I will help them and bring along others To take what is old, his training, his skills, and to find mission in the middle of that. I recall a friend of mine, Barbara Barnes, who after many years as a superintendent, decided, wait, what? Retirement? Are you kidding me? I'm going to take all of this experience I've learned, and I'm going to create opportunities for kids in our neighborhoods so that they can learn to read, so they can learn to, uh, to gain confidence stepping out into the world. And so she rallied all of her friends, her ex-colleagues, and put together the San Clemente Community Resource Center to serve not only the marine community, but also the the, the children and families of South Orange County, took something that she had learned a long time ago and discovered mission in the middle of it. I think of what many of you have done, and as the cathedral, we've taken on just recently, providing backpacks and materials for children in the larger Phoenix area, to become a place that is established on the landscape of this city and out of this venerable place come this newness, this impulse to mission, this impulse to serve, this impulse to go forward, to be the kingdom, to bring to the doorsteps of situations a word of hope, the presence of grace, the kingdom, to bring out of what has been settled and perhaps comfortable and discover mission in the middle of that. It can also mean being a survivor, perhaps a survivor of cancer, stepping into the lives of those who need someone to walk with them, to take strength and to be that wounded healer who can walk next to somebody through the difficulties of treatment, of fear. To mentor children who need a voice to speak into their lives and to give them a sense of hope and identity. The kingdom is everywhere. Because the kingdom is in you. What does Jesus want us to remember? What does Jesus want you to remember? Amen.